Welcome back to Common Fan Commentary. I am your host, Adam. No, it's been a while, but after a bit of a hiatus, I'm back today with some content that's a little bit different than the usual. I had the chance to interview a very good friend of mine, Troy Montemayor, who has had a very successful athletic career in baseball. He played at the Little League World Series in Williamsport, or the Big 12 Championship at Baylor University, and even professionally after being selected in the MLB draft. Troy was never a highly recruited individual, so I thought it'd be interesting to gain his perspective on what it's like being an unrecruited pitcher and what it taught him over his career. So, uh, enjoy. Baseball has been your life for, what, 20 years? 20 years, man, since T-ball. I remember my uh, grandma and grandpa bought me this little, like, plastic wiffle ball bat. And then I graduated to, like, a wooden one. But it was so big that uh, they had to, like, cut it in half, like, shave it down. And it was, it was like, it was tiny even then. But, you know, they had to cut it in half for me. And I was probably, like, three when I started that. Yeah, my, my dad refused to put me in T-ball. It's like, I hate that. So <laughs> well, I got did, thrown in the coach pitch. We did pitch, T-ball, but... and then we skipped, like, coach pitch. You know, we did, like, machine mm. pitch. Okay. And I guess like you're supposed to do coach pitch before kid pitch, but we just like went straight to straight to kid pitch at McAllister. Oh man, McAllister. Good old days. Good times, man. In two thousand nine, Troy was a part of his local Little League All Star team that made it all the way to the national finals on ESPN against Chula Vista, California as a twelve year old. So about McAllister, Little League World Series. What was that like? Yeah, that was, I, I tell people all the time, that was probably the most fun that I've ever had playing through any level, honestly. I mean, we played in front of 21,000 people against uh, Chula Vista, California, um, and I'd never played in front of that many people since, all the way up through Pro Bowl. I never saw that many people. Yeah, man, just an experience to like, be on ESPN as like a, a 12-year-old. Like, you, you, don't, <laughs> you don't get that kind of exposure, and it's it makes like every other game feel really small. There's nothing you haven't seen before. There's no like crowd that's too big. The lights aren't too bright. You know, that's, I think that was probably what I got from most was just like how to handle pressure and doing that as a 12 year old just made everything really easy. Right. Right. Smack in the middle of puberty. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. And just all the, all the uh, announcers were interviewing us after, after everything. And, you know, for two weeks we were just like rock stars. It was so cool. You were on the the cover of the video game yeah, uh-huh. for that year too. Did they ever like tell you about that, or did you ever get? <laughs> no, a cut I got a text. That? I got a text like eight months later after the World Series, and some guy was like, "You're on the cover of a video game." I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and what was that? That was in like 2010. I didn't even have a phone in 2010, so I don't know how he sent me the link or if links were even a thing back then. But <laughs> somehow I got the picture of that cover, and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" So we went to our local GameStop, and sure enough, like it was on the shelf. And you know, my dad bought every copy. So we still have those sitting in, in the safe. Just that's like, hilarious. You know, for to show my kids and their kids one day. You know, that's that's it. Will you even have a system to play the game, though? Oh, definitely not. And you never got any royalties for being smack on the cover for it, too. No, I, I, I think, I think when uh, <laughs> I think like the whole trip, I, I didn't sign anything, but I'm pretty sure we signed like our rights away, like before we, we ended up playing like on ESPN and all that. Like I think like our parents ended up signing everything away, so we got nothing for that, man. But it's still pretty cool. It's not about, are we paying college athletes? It's, are we paying the 12-year-olds? <laughs> That's the real hard-hitting question. That's where we got to draw the line. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Over Troy's high school career, he posted a 24-6 record on the varsity team with 12 saves, 184 strikeouts, and 200 innings in total. His senior year, he went 14-2 that year with 100 strikeouts and 106 innings. In 2014, 
getting San Antonio Express News Player of the Year, second team All-American by Max Preps, while also leading the team to the state final, which was the first appearance in the state tournament in the school's history. You have a pretty successful high school career, I'd say. We went on that huge run, kind of a Cinderella run, really. So what was it like throwing complete games all weekend? Yeah, it's funny. We, I just had this conversation with my parents. I don't know if you, you remember that when we played in the fourth round against Laredo, they wrote that article. I don't. Did you ever hear about that? I think I remember that. I don't, like the Laredo Times or whatever, like wrote an article about how terrible my parents were for like letting me pitch. So many games, you know, that, that series against King the weekend before started game one, complete game loss. And then game two, I threw the seventh and eighth of that doubleheader on Saturday, got the win. And then Chapman was like, hey, man, can you go? Like, can you at least start this game for us? And I was like, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there was consent. Like, he did ask. It's funny. I never knew this. My dad brought it up. He actually said that, like, while I was on the bench, like, resting in between those two games, found him in the stands to ask my dad permission if I could pitch that third game because I already threw the first two. And, you know, like, I, I didn't have any college offers. I didn't have any aspirations to play at the next level. So my dad was like, well, this is his last game ever. Like, you know, he might as well right. you know, just throw it. Why not? It doesn't matter. Like, I wasn't playing anyways. So why, why didn't you have any college offers on the table? Oh, you know, I mean, I was 5'11", 145 at my best. I wasn't big, strong. I didn't look appealing to a college scout and... I was throwing 84 tops. Who wants that? But it's it's all about mentality. It's just like that winning mindset that I think that I had over everybody else, and that's what let me be successful. And then I, you know, I got that that win against King, and I was national player of the week for that three day span, which is I don't know how I didn't tear something. I don't think I threw hard enough to be able to hurt myself. <laughs> so that's probably what it was. It's good mechanics. Yeah, the Raider wrote that article and. Pretty much bash my parents, bash Chapman. How dare they let me do that? He'll never play at the next level. He's going to hurt his arm. Like, he'll never, like, be the same. And I ended up pitching twice against them, got two wins against Laredo, and to move to the fifth round. So, you know, I, I still think they're mad about that, honestly. I'm, I'm sure if you asked one extreme diehard Laredo Alexander fan, that they would still remember that. Oh, absolutely. You know how high school started, eh, dog? Like, we... We were on JVB together. You know, I got moved up to varsity, but we're always looked down upon. The whole, like, career, basically, is just having to prove myself. Like, I, I, I didn't just show up. And all those guys, like, yeah, they made varsity right away. But, like, I mean, I had to pitch. It's been like that. You know, it's been like that forever. Suffice to say, you had a chip on your shoulder. <laughs> Absolutely. Going into that high school playoffs, you had no college offers, right? That's correct, yeah. So, at the state tournament pitch that semifinal game behind the scenes my dad was working he got into contact with some people who got into contact with some other people and they knew that I was going to, to school at Baylor just for academics ended up telling coach Smith who was the Baylor coach my freshman year he's now with Tennessee Tech so they they said hey man like you gotta come watch this kid at least for a little bit he had a wedding that day that he he like left to come watch me pitch for like four innings and he had to like drive back to the wedding it was really nice. He like made time for me that day. My dad never told me he didn't want to put that pressure on me. For as far as I knew, that was the last game I had ever pitched in my entire life. Right, that was a state semifinal too. So like, you know, that was free that, and easy. Sorry enough. I remember everybody asked me like, Can, you know, could you pitch the championship game? And I was like, man, I can't feel my arm. Like, there's no way. I'm, and I was very content with that. I was like, man, that's, that's a good way to like go out getting a win in the state tournament, first win in our high school's history. You know, that was. 
just going to the tournament, you, you remember how big a deal that was. It was oh, yeah. all those good teams before us that couldn't even make it, couldn't break through that fifth round curse, and we finally did it. And that was that was going to be good enough for me. You know, but Smith was there. We did line camp. Remember line camp? Yeah. Yeah. Good old freshman camp. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that. You know, we did that during the summer and uh, emailed me. He said, Hey, I know you're going to be at line camp. Why don't you stop by my office and we can chat? He said, Why don't you like come throw a bullpen? You know, let's let's see what you got. Like, maybe we'll just take a look at you through the bullpen. Surreal moment. Just like throwing a bullpen on a college mound was exhilarating. And I got off and he goes, you know, like I told you earlier, I was topping 84. I was realistically sitting like 81 to 82 yeah. as a starter in high school. And I got off that mound in the summer. And he says, what, what do you think you were at? I was like, I, you know, I have no idea. He goes, well, you touched 87. And I was like, what? I was like, I've never in my life gotten close to that so he was like yeah i mean like let's uh let's get you out like all <laughs> you know we'll see what you can do he's like you know this doesn't mean that you're on the team or anything but he said you know let's just you know come out throw a couple inner squad games and we'll see where you're at it worked out from there obviously eventually that led to a kind of a walk-on type thing right nothing was really guaranteed to you you just got to play with the team got to practice and work out it was weird man I, you know i they had a college baseball carries 35 players right on the roster so we had 39 guys that fall so we knew four people were going to not make it so they had all the walk-ons so myself and three other guys included the baseball team had their 35 lockers in the main baseball room and then we got four lockers in the umpires locker room like separate from all the other guys oh so you already knew like we're the fringe guys like yeah, I mean, we didn't, it. you know, we didn't associate with it. It was weird, man. Like, we didn't even shower with the other guys. It was just, like, completely separate. You know, it's rough. And I've heard from other schools. I knew a guy that played uh, football. Man, same thing. They just treat walk-ons poorly. And I don't blame them. These scholarship guys come in with all this hype, and, you know, they think they're the man, and that's fine. But, uh, again, that chip on that shoulder, right? So, yeah, I went through the whole fall. The entire fall, uh, all the way through Christmas break, not knowing if I made the team. A week and a half before the season started, I got a locker in the uh, in the main players' locker room, and I was like, "Wow, I made the team!" Like I remember, just called my parents. I was like, "Man, I got a I got a locker finally! Like I made it!" Like my mom's crying. It's just like a whole big thing. But that that fall was, you know, it was. I think it was like proving to myself that you know I could do it. Like I could pitch against D one guys. Um, even in inner squads, you know, I was just like, I, I belong here. I can, I can do this. Did you ever doubt that you wouldn't make it? The first half of the fall was basically four on ones and it was like just lifting, you know? So I was just getting used to college, you know, I, I was getting used to schoolwork and living on my own. And so I was, I didn't really have time to worry about if I'd make the team. Once inner squad started in like October, my, my first ever inner squad, I think I threw three innings and I had my, my dad came <laughs> And uh, I had six strikeouts in three innings. And I was like, man, I, I, I can do this. Like, I don't know what that was about. And I'm not a strikeout pitcher. You know that. Pitching to contact. But I was like, man, if I can get these guys out, I, I bet I could get other guys out at other schools. Like, can't be that much different. Once I got through that first scrimmage, that first inner squad, I was like, man, I got this. Like, I can, I can definitely do this. Okay, so what opponent your freshman year were you kind of like, oh, I'm not in high school anymore? I've hated this team all four years, but Dallas Baptist – we, we played them, and I, I don't know what the deal with that. Here's to put it in perspective. I gave up 10 home runs my college career total. I gave up five to Dallas Baptist. And I don't know <laughs> what it was with that team that just had my number. But the first game I ever pitched against them, I got put in in some 
blowout. You know, they were killing us. So I said, man, Troy, just go control the damage. And I lead off batter, home run. And I was like, holy crap, are you kidding me? Like, I, I cannot believe this. Like, two batters later, another home run. I was like, this is ridiculous. I was like, I've never, I've never given up two home runs in the same game in my life. And then these guys just come in and just, I, I probably gave up like six runs in that inning. Uh <laughs> It was tough, man. I, I didn't have a great freshman year, honestly. You know, it was uh, it was a struggle. I had like a pretty high four ERA. That's not bad on a struggling team. Well, you know, my first appearance was against Cal Poly. Oh, I was 13th in the country. Two innings. I think I had like two strikeouts, um, no runs. But at the time, they were ranked 13th. And I was like, man, if I could pitch against a 13th ranked team, it was really that was a really great like that first game. You know, I got that under my belt. I got the nerves out. I remember running out of the bullpen and I couldn't even feel my legs, man. Like it, I was probably blacked out the entire time. Just when I walked off the field and I was like, man, that was like, that was cool. I did that. I didn't sleep that night or anything. Freshman year, a little rocky, right? You're very they, rocky, absolutely. Then you go into sophomore year. Between Troy's freshman and sophomore season, the school changed coaches from Steve Smith to Steve Rodriguez. And so they brought in Coach Rod and Strauss and Taylor, brought those guys in from Pepperdine. So what was that like under a new coach? Uh, I thought the first walk-on was hard. It was, a, it was a second walk-on. It was a second trial, basically. So I told you we had 39 guys that first fall. We had 46 guys sophomore year. So we knew 11 guys weren't going to make the team. And that was stressful. That was the first year we did 5.45 a.m. workouts. You know, it was at one point, honestly, where I, would, I sat in my living room at like 4.50 in the morning my roommate was there who was playing with me. And we looked at each other and we we're like, is this even worth it? Like, I was like, I wonder what all the regular students are doing right now. Probably asleep, you know, just, or probably getting back from the bar. It, it's crazy. I just, I was like, man, this, this can't be worth it. We survived that fall. They ended up going down to 31 guys. So they, they actually cut under the roster. So they let go of 15 people. Did you ever worry you were going to be one of those this time? You know, I threw like 40 there? innings freshman year. So I was like, well, they can't cut a guy with that much experience. Like, I know I didn't have a good season, but at least like, they're not bringing a whole lot of experience back. So maybe they'll at least like want someone like in middle relief just to chew up some innings. Obviously the goal was to be a starter. You know, everybody wants to be a Friday guy. Can't be a Friday guy. You know, Saturday and Sunday looks great. Sophomore year, we had Daniel Castano, who's now pitching for the Marlins. He started He started a couple games this season, man. I, I just, I, what a story he had. I mean, everybody, it seems like everybody's got a little bit different story, man, but good for him. He had a worse ERA than I did in college, you know, but <laughs> people shine in different spots, you know, like college wasn't for him. The minor leagues were, and he made a name for himself. So good for him. Sophomore year was funny. I, I, uh. My dad was reflecting on this. Oh, I wanted to be a starter. He was like, well, you know, you'd always call me after the inner squads and you were complaining because like they'd only pitch you like one inning, like at the end of the game, like you were like, well, what's going on? Like, why am I only throwing one inning like to close a game out? And I couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. Like, why am I not starting? Like he goes, dude, you know what they're doing, right? And I was like, what? And he's like, they're making you the closer. And I was like, dad. I throw like 88. There's no way I'm going to be the closer. Like, that's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. He's like, no, nah, I think you are. We had another freshman who was throwing like 95. I was like, they'll make him the closer. That's obvious, you know. Guys in college throw hard as, as, as a closer role. Like, why would they want someone like me? And sure enough, man, I don't know why. I still to this day don't know why. I'd love to sit down and asked my pitching coach, what were y'all thinking back then? I mean, obviously, <laughs> you got this out. freshman. What was the thought process there? You know, they, they made me the closer in it. That that sophomore year, man, that was 
probably my best season that I had as a, out of that closing role. And indeed, it was. During that season, Troy earned first-team All-Big 12, recording 14 saves with a 0.78 ERA. Safe to say, he found his spot on the team. You get the location right, get guys off speed, throw strikes. I don't think I've ever seen you, like, out of control. I hit one guy in 100 innings in college. And I got leaned into it. That's bullcrap. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think I hit him. You know. I think that was more of like a jersey thing. Okay. But yeah, no. The the control was a big thing. I think the closer role worked out, man, because it was one inning. I got to just trick him real quick. Like, didn't show him a lot of pitches. It was in and out real fast. Like, didn't have time to think. And my dad also says, like, you know, as as many innings as I threw in high school, all the pitches that I threw, he's like, your arm probably couldn't have handled being a starter in college you know throwing 80 to 100 innings he's like you you probably wouldn't have lasted um so it's probably more of a blessing that you ended up being in that closing role and you only had to throw one in at a time that first year with coach rod was i mean we had a losing record was it better than the one you had freshman year it was it was we didn't make a regional but it was you could see that some pieces were gone at they're negatively hurting the team and you know we had some guys in that were kind of make a positive impact but you know sophomore year I was the only you know I was first team all big 12 but we didn't have any other like conference honors on that team so it's like well it's kind of bad when your closer is the best player on your team that means like you know we're not no I mean we got to have a hitter or someone that's all conference but we didn't have anything like that I mean that's just as stacked as the big 12 was too back then that's what was fun speaking of that we had uh to put this into perspective of my saves, we had 10 conference wins sophomore year. We were 10 and 14. We had 10 conference wins. I had 10 conference saves. Every game was a close game. We didn't blow anybody out. We struggled for everything we had. And that's, I mean, I don't think that's, that's unheard of, honestly, just to have that many save situations. Racking up all those saves, you eventually tied the career. Tied the career, Yeah career record at Baylor four saves but it's all about opportunities man like I had 39 career save opportunities I got 37 of them so you remember the two that you blew I do very well like it was yesterday uh, <laughs> you remember what pitches you threw and everything again Sam Houston was the first one this was sophomore year two outs game's over guy hits a ground ball to second base routine second baseman picks it up takes a takes a hop throws it to first air mails it would have been the third out, so guy reaches on an error. Ended up getting a second base, and I threw their best hitter a slider, thinking I was going to strike him out. And he he punched the ground ball through the six hole, ended up scoring that run, and that blew the save. And then ultimately came around, and they scored, and they, they ended up winning. So that was my one loss of sophomore year, my one blown save. And I remember sitting there after the game was over, and I was like, man, I really hope that that like doesn't come back to bite me someday, like, I hope that doesn't haunt me for some reason. I was like, probably won't. Like, it's one save. Who cares? Yikes. Uh, <laughs> Yikes, man. That would have been the one that I needed. I don't remember all those saves, honestly, but I remember the blown saves for sure. <laughs> so wait, are, were you one of those guys who immediately goes to check the stats after the game? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I did. How many okay. pitches did I throw? First of all, that's what I wanted to see. I was trying to, uh, you know, 12 or less was uh, ideal. You know, we kind of live stream most of our games, especially at home. So I'd go back and watch them after the after the game, just see what I could improve on, or you know, if it was a fun like save, I just wanted to like rewatch it, relive that. Because man, you get tunnel vision sometimes. I promise, man, and you just kind of like zone out, and it's one, two, three, and the inning's over, and you're like, wow, that 
that went by way too fast. So life of a closer, I guess. You got to definitely relive that while you can. Troy's senior year was definitely one of the best Baylor teams that he played on, making it all the way to the final of the Big 12 tournament, a chance at a feat that no Baylor team had done before. First time in school history, we had been to the championship game seven times. Jeez. So I, I, you know, I relate that a lot to, you know, that fifth round. I don't know how many fifth rounds in high school that those guys got to. I don't know if you know the number off the top of your head. It was quite a bit. It was like five. They just couldn't win it. They just couldn't couldn't win it. They could get there and they couldn't do it. Same for Baylor, man. We could get to the championship game. Oh, and seven. That's tough. You can accidentally win one game, right? (laughs) Right. So we with like a donor, like luncheon. Mm -hmm. They like to like let some of the player current players speak at those. And they asked, they knew I was approaching that record. This was maybe like two weeks before that tournament. And they asked me, they're like, well, what would you rather, like, what would you rather have? Like, would you rather break that record or would you rather win that conference tournament? And that was a super easy answer. I was like, I want that ring. Like, I, I want to be remembered as that team that, that won finally, like for the first time ever, you know? So I want to look at that ring the rest of my life and show it off. Re- that record's going to get broken. I don't know who's going to break it. But someone's going to get 38 saves. That's going to be awesome for them. Hopefully, I'm really old, so I don't get upset about it. <laughs> it's not like next year. Gonna get it. No one else is going to win the conference for the first time. That's that's not going to happen. So, you know, we did it. And I pitched that game. Was really hoping to get a save that game, but uh, they, they put me in the, uh, in the ninth inning, and we ended up going to extra innings. I gave up a run in the 10th. So That's what happens when you ask a closer to go more than one. That's right, man. And it was like... That was late May. It was probably 100 degrees. We were just dying. I had, a, <laughs> I had a cold like water towel on my head after that 10th inning. We were losing two outs. We had a guy on second base. Richard Cunningham, our center fielder, hits a pop-up to center field. Routine. I put my head down. I was like, well, like good season. You know, like we'll, we'll make a regional. It's unfortunate it has to end like this. I put my head down. And all of a sudden, I, like, I heard cheering like really loud cheering behind me. So like at the Baylor side, and I was like, what could they possibly be cheering? I looked up that dude dropped the ball. It landed right in front of him. He must've lost it in the sunlight with two outs in the bottom of the 10th. He lost it in the sunlight. We ended up scoring. And then I pitched the 11th, got out of it, no runs. And then we, we hit that walk off single in that bottom of the 11th. My mom and dad said that the TCU fans kind of were starting to make their way down towards the dugout to congratulate all the players right before that. And then that dude ended up dropping that ball in center field. Oh, rough. So I'm sure that haunts him. I mean, I can't even imagine. Like that, uh, the Arkansas oh, second baseman who yeah, dropped the... that's exactly Ooh. the same thing. I mean, a less, less national stage, but still, I mean, you remember that. Actually, yeah. I, played, I played against that kid in the minors, by the way. <laughs> oh, no way. It's my yeah. world. It's my Actually, world. I so... got to the bar with him. <laughs> after one of the games it was really fun but yeah he's he was he trying to drink that moment away or he's still oh yeah people are still giving him crap it's just you're going in the postseason after the big 12 tournament win so out of all the regionals you played what was your least favorite one to play well i played two and it was probably senior year because i mean okay so we great rpi going into the tournament like the big 12 tournament we won the big 12 tournament so we we're like man we're hosting like we got this locked. I mean, we were we finished fifth in the conference, but I mean, we we had an unbelievable non-conference record. Did pretty well in conference, and then we won the tournament. So like, well, we got to host. Didn't host. They actually put us 
at Stanford, who was the number one team in the country at the time. So we got totally screwed with that selection. We had to play Stanford, and our first game was against Cal State Fullerton, which you know how powerhouse they are any year. Right. Um, I think they won, like, the West Coast Conference that year. You know, so we lost to Cal State Fullerton. They just dude through like, an eight-inning gym against us, like, two hit us. Played Wright State, knocked them out of the tournament, and then we we lost to Stanford. And I pitched that Stanford game. I remember my last out ever in college was a fly ball to right field. And I, you know, I kind of watched it, and I jogged off the mound, and I was like, why am I jogging? Like, we had our last at-bats, but I was like, this is it. Like, I need to just turn around and just soak that in real quick. And I did. One of those unforgettable little tiny moments that only you have. You know, I ended up losing and had a lot of seniors in tears, you know, because their career was over. And I, I wasn't crying because I was like, well, I, like, I, I think I'm going to get drafted. Like, I, I don't know, but, like, I just have a feeling I will. So I wasn't. Like there's 120 that. rounds that someone has to. I, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, I'm glad they're shortening it this season. That's probably long overdue. I think it needs to stay that way. I definitely right. would have gotten picked. When like a hundred twentieth round was like, <laughs> is the same money, same signing bonus as a guy who doesn't get drafted. Yeah, it's it's insane. It, it definitely needed to get shortened. So thank goodness that they finally, finally did that. In your college career, though, you spent a lot of time doing all these workouts, and the whole time you probably spent a good majority of it playing versus academics. I mean, you said it was a good split, but do you think you should have been paid for your time? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we. I think that um, I don't think we brought enough revenue in, like to the college. I, I in my opinion, I, I think that you know, I mean, obviously, football's king in Texas, especially, and just like in college sports in general. You know, if you don't like it, then play football. You know, like go join that sport. You don't have to play baseball. You don't have to play basketball. You know, if you want that money, you should go go play that sport. I definitely think those guys deserve to get paid or at least like make money off their name at the very least i I don't see i don't see what the harm in that is honestly i know that's the biggest topic in the ncaa for the last i don't know how many years but um you know i mean what's your opinion on that if i was an 18 year old kid and you're telling me that i have like aspirations of going pro someday or I'm coming from this situation at home and I don't make enough money and I'm doing this to support my family in the future. And you tell me I have to go to college where I can't, I'm not even allowed to make money until then I'm going to go play in Europe. Like, why would I go to college? I can sell my likeness. I can build my brand. I can really invest in myself in one of these choices. And the other one, I have to wait to do that. Well, that's a good point. And like, what if... Some horrific injury happens yeah. or grow to hate the sport or, you know, literally anything can happen. And it's just kind of limiting people who could really use it. Even the person who invented the NCAA, the first ever commissioner, he said, I wish I never created the term of student athlete. That makes it seem like you owe something to the school because they're providing you an education. So you got to give them something back. And if you're not getting, if you're not paying for it, like you're on scholarship, then you owe us your talent or whatever. Kind of an unnecessary barrier from people to really build their own brand. And it's mainly football players. You know, like if you're good enough in high school, like you said, first of all, basketball, you can go overseas. For baseball, you can get drafted straight out of high school for a million dollars. I feel like baseball, though, your prime development years are when you're in college. Like I, I think every high school baseball player should go to college. I, I think it matures them. I think it makes you more MLB ready in my experience. But I won't get paid for that. I saw a lot of immature kids in the minors that I played with that were straight out of high school, and they weren't ready. You're not getting coached in the minors. 
you don't get coached. That's not what that the coaches aren't there to coach you. They're there to be a figurehead and to put a lineup together, but they don't coach you. So tell me about it. You end up do getting drafted, right? Yes. 25th round, St. Louis Cardinals. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Were you your phone just sitting on the table and were you just like staring at it all day or how, uh, how was that? So, uh, I, you know, I got a bunch of letters from different organizations throughout the spring of my senior year. Had a couple phone calls with some teams and then as the draft got closer, there were just like a very like few like four teams that were contacting me more and more. I thought it was going to be the Athletics. So, you know, I thought Oakland was going to call. I didn't hear from the Cardinals one time <laughs> until, until the day before the draft. So the fifth, that was that second day of the draft. And then on the third day, it was actually my birthday was the day I got drafted. So like best birthday present you can ever get, right? Seriously. Um, I was not at home. I was at the river, floating the river up in San Marcos. And I didn't have great cell reception. I was like, man, I just hope they don't call me like... <laughs> right now but like i'm i'm enjoying my birthday right like if i don't get drafted today i'm at least gonna enjoy my birthday so um they called me on the way home in the car and before i put my phone like you know it was like hey troy like how does this sound like would you like to be a st louis cardinal i was like absolutely before i put my phone down phone was blowing up twitter was going off like i had all these notifications just like everybody trying to get a hold of me like telling me congrats it was just like the most like rock star surreal feeling i've ever had I'll never forget that day, honestly. What a great birthday present. The most famous you'll ever... <laughs> That's it. Your, your fame I, just I, like... I reached the pinnacle at 22 years old. <laughs> After that... I went to like... short season single A. Yeah, so there's... Oh, gosh. Let me see if I can do this right. Dominican red, Dominican blue. Mm-hmm. And then extended spring training, rookie ball, short season single A, uh, regular single A, double A, triple A... MLB. So nine, basically, farm clubs in an organization. Seven in the U.S. And some have low A and high A. I know we can get up to 10 and 11. Oh, yeah. I forgot forgot low A and high A, yeah. So short season was basically just for the guys that they weren't ready for, like, the single. They were just out of, like, fresh out of college. Like, that was rookie ball, I I consider, is for, like, high school prospects. Mm -hmm. They just got drafted high school. Like, short season was for, like, almost all the college guys. Or some like, you know, foreigners that were like kind of on the cusp mm-hmm. that were still young, but they, they didn't they didn't have a place. So they kind of got meshed in with the college guys. Um, but it's for like younger guys in their you know early 20s that were playing in that league. And that was up in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, that was uh, State College, Pennsylvania. So we played at uh, Penn State's home field. Pretty cool field, honestly. It's like a, it was like a minor league park. I don't know. I don't know what they have that over there for, but it's a pretty nice stadium. Yeah, that's good because like when I, when you're describing it, it makes it sound like they're just going to throw you out in some cornfield and say, you know, figure it out. But oh, uh, we played in some of those. <laughs> I, I had a friend that played short season with the Marlins, and he quit halfway through it. And I was like, man, like you got drafted as a junior, you got a signing bonus. Why'd you quit? I played at that field that he played at. I can absolutely see why he quit. That was in a town of population five thousand people. It was oh my god, brutal, absolutely brutal. I, I got I got a good college town. State College was very nice to me. I had a great host family, so you know, it was a wonderful experience. So so what was that like? Kind of the accommodations you had there. They found families willing to house some of the players. You know, I did travel ball freshman sophomore year of college. We had host families for all. So the- it was very reminiscent of kind of those days. Yeah, it was very similar. You know, living with a stranger for three months. I could That's never funny. house a college age kid 
Uh, that sounds crazy to me. Those those people are a gift from God, honestly. I don't know how that they put up with us, and especially the the ones that had more than one kid. And I was by myself in the minors. So was that just like Eastleigh baseball kind of thing? That's Here's it. your check. That's it. That's it. I mean, games at six thirty, you'd show up to the field at like one. Um, you were there all day, just hanging out. You know, you get a practice in before the games. You get get your lift in. It was a little bit different for pitchers. Yeah, you were there until, you know, from 1 to, you know, 11, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night when the game was over. And then what was kind of the you, – you were talking about the coaching a little. I kind of halted your rant. What was the coaching like at those levels? Well, I'll tell you this, Adam. The first ever, like, team conference chat we had with, like, all the coaches and we had someone from higher up in the organization. He came down to visit us before the season started. He walked in. There was – 40 guys. I don't, I don't remember how many people were on the team, 35, 40 guys sitting in the locker room, all in a circle. And he walked in, he goes, look around. This was the, the higher up. He goes, look around. He said, one of y'all will play in the major leagues. That's it. And I was like, well, what? I was like, well, dang, like, what am I doing here then? Like, what's the point? <laughs> oh, it's like, that's really how you're going to start? Like, that's that's a great motivational speech, man. Appreciate you. I mean, but percentage of show, man, I, like, probably one person from that team would make it, if that. Right. So he's not wrong. It's just like, man, brutally honest. Just kind of, like, deflates, you know, the mood. And it's kind of like, well, shoot, it's just like, you would expect him to kind of just hype you up and let everybody want to, you know, play better. But they didn't do that for us. And then the coaching, <laughs> coaching wasn't good. You know, we, we had a pitching coach that um, we, we had a couple guys who were, you know, they were throwing high 90s. And we were like, well, are there any tips? Like, what do you think? What do you see as a minor league pitching coach? Like, how, how do they do it? Like, what, what do you have tips? And he goes, well, like, to throw harder, you just, like, plant your foot in the ground and you just, like, throw it harder. Like, you just, like, push off and throw harder. Wow. Wow. That's it. I was like, are you serious? That like that guy kind of, This guy's a pitching genius. Hold on. I haven't tried that before. I was like, oh no kidding. I should just try to throw it harder than if I want to throw harder. That makes sense. Why didn't I think of that before? See, he was actually brilliant because he was trying to tell you it's all mental, you know, and he was just saying that you have to dig in in your mind and push through Yeah. That was the extent. That was the <laughs> That was I don't remember anything else from what the coaches said. I very specifically remember him telling me that. I go, what are you talking about? That's where your baseball career ended. If you want to talk about it, what kind of made you stop? Well, I'll start by saying the reason that I struggled so much, I think, in the minors was for four years in college, I never called my own game. Coach Strauss was a genius at Baylor. You know, they had scouting reports from all the guys for the last three seasons that he was able to just, he was just like with a Xbox, he was just controlling me and I would just throw it exactly where he wanted me to pitch it. And that was easy. It took the thinking out of it. In the minors, I had to, first of all, I had a catcher from Puerto Rico that I couldn't even communicate with in English. Very hard. The language barrier just in itself. So when we'd have arguments about what I wanted to throw, I couldn't even like articulate why I wanted to throw it a certain way. You know, we could barely understand each other. So I had to deal with that, and, and it was it was tough calling my own game because I had never had to do it before. You know, I was used to the coach calling it, so it, was, it, it took a lot more studying on, on kids that we had never seen before. You know, they were we were just getting thrown, and, you know, we'd play like six games total against that team all season. So you'd have to just try to figure them out 
real fast and that made it really difficult. So I had a, you know, it was just, it felt a lot like freshman year. It was very up and down. I had some really good bright spots and then some, some terrible games. It's just a huge learning experience. I kind of wish I had one more season, you know, under my belt. I think that, you know, that experience was good just like it was freshman year. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened if I would have gotten another chance. But I, um, you know, I got let go like two months before spring training. And when they called me to tell me that, they're like, well, do you want us to, you know, give other teams your number? Like, are you still interested in playing? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's let's see what we got. And the next week I had like four or five calls from different teams. It was like right before Christmas. So they let me go right before Christmas. I was like, oh, Merry Christmas, guys. Like, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, so I had a lot of family in town. I was like, look, like, let me just get through the holidays and I'll call you back. Like, uh, I'll let me think about my options. I did a lot of soul searching, man. Like, I was like, well, if I'm not a baseball player, what am I? Like, I this has been my identity since I was three. So, you know, what do I what do I do now if I'm not playing ball? It was not an easy decision. Imagine, yeah. I, you know, I, I know I talked to you about it. And I talked to some other friends about it. And it's just like, well, what am I supposed to do now? And I just ultimately decided that, you know, I didn't see, I wasn't throwing 100 miles an hour. You know, I didn't see myself going in this show as much as I would have liked to have. And, um, you know, I had to make that tough decision to, you know, start my, start my professional career away from baseball. So, yeah, it, it sounds easy, but it definitely took months for that decision to get made for sure. I mean, that's a lifelong identity that you, you got to come to terms with not having in your life anymore. I still struggle with, and I didn't even play in college at all. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm glad you said that, man. Like, I, I know it's it's hard for high school kids that are done playing, college kids that never get drafted. I mean, it's, we all go through this at some point. The one of the 1% of the 1% get to play in the big leagues and realize their dream and get to be famous and all that cool stuff. But for the rest of us, man, like, you know, we're, you know, we lived in that moment and it's, it's over. It it ends for all of us at some point. We try to stick with it. I mean, I, I, you know, I gave less, I give lessons to the high school kids at Reagan still. I give pitching lessons. So I'm never going to like just completely walk away from it. That's, that's for sure not going to happen. So if you had to say one thing to, kids who are dreams of going to the show someday if you had to tell them one thing what would you say just believe in yourself right because if you don't believe in yourself who's going to believe in you right nobody you don't have to be big baseball's a beautiful game like you don't have to be the biggest guy look at Altuve I mean these guys are tiny it doesn't matter you know it's it's having confidence in yourself going out and just thinking that you're the best someone wrote an article about me our, our like teammates got to comment on it and they are describing how I was as a as a player as my attitude and I was like well you know Troy's 5'11 160 but he walks around like he's six foot five and bulletproof you know you just have to like carry yourself in a way that like hey man not cocky but I'm just better than I got I'm better than everybody even if you're not just make it till you make it tell yourself you are yeah you're better than everybody it doesn't matter talent hopefully will follow you know if you put in the work it'll definitely you know pay off for sure well thank you so much for your time Troy it's always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I want to thank Troy so much for doing this interview with me. He had a, such an interesting athletic career. I thought it would be great for the podcast to just see what he thought, get his perspective. And honestly, I think it turned into a pretty cool piece. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day. Bye.